What up, everybody? We are back with the newest episode of Wrestling is Trash, the nonsensical podcast about professional wrestling where we may one day decide to book a territory. We'll tell you this shit sucks. We'll praise how great the WWE can be. All that and more. Today, it's me, your boy, the mayor, that DJ named Ace Five, your mom's favorite fat guy, all the way from deepest, darkest Africa, captaining the ship today. We want to give a brief uh, loving condolences to our partner, Nick, because he's got some family things going on right now. We're not going to say, but when if he chooses to reveal that when he's back next week, he will do so. But we got to send our love and condolences and and well wishes and all of that stuff to our brother Nick. Yeah, shout out but to my boy. To the right of me today is you already know Lou from the BX, the other half of the disco too, out here. Davey shock Florida. masters, the shock <laughs> masters, the disco too. We got names. <laughs> Uh, out here in Davie, Florida, on the rainy ass day, but we out here ready to do this damn thing. Well, can't pod from the pool today. Nah, that's not <laughs> happening. Shout that's out raining. to the Codex Prime, the brother Call too. Hopefully, crispy ass shirt. If he's not working or something, he could pop up in. Shout out to the homie B Rob, as always. Make sure you are following all of us everywhere under the Star Five Podcast, the Everything Podcast, the Codex Prime Podcast. The Random Ramblings with Rob, RBR Wrestling. Shout outs to our brothers at the UWO podcast. Lou, let's get right into it, man. Let's uh how was your week, man? How how we been? I mean, we're two weeks off, you know. Uh, how's everything been so far? Yeah, last week, just apologize for apologies to anyone who was looking for the show last week. Uh we were gonna record because Nick was unable to come. And then at the last minute, I was unable to show up because I had some stuff I had to take care of. But the week's been good, man. I'm uh, starting a new job and um, I've been busy with that for the most part. Today is my first day off. I did my five days in a row. Loving it. It's uh, very non-stressful as compared to my last job. So I'm getting on the train, went back to the gym today, going to be back doing my podcasting. Hopefully this week I'll be able to shoot my episode out. That's way overdue, but uh, everything is good, bro. Everything right now is is, is hunky dory. Good, good. And Jim too. I mean, my wife got me back on the roll too. Now I have oh. I been going consistent, no, but at least two times a week so far I've been getting back in. But this week because I'm on vacation, and my oldest daughter finally finished her first year of fre- her freshman year of high school. She finished wow. last week. So, yeah, exactly. She's about to be 15 this August, too, hey. already. Good exactly. Lord. Time time flying, Lou. is fucking crazy. Yep. But, um, yeah, big ups and happy Father's Day to everybody who is a father out there. We just Absolutely. left Father's Day. Um, But, yeah, me and her are going to be going to the gym every day in the morning this week week because i'm off because i do have a shot putter slash volleyball player on my hands so i need to she hasn't been able to get into the gym in school but she needs to learn how to do certain things that will help her excel in both like she's super excited yeah yeah this she's excited for her upcoming volleyball season starting as soon as the next school year starts you know made the varsity team and all that but shot put wise like I know I can have this girl by a senior 
year at like national level. Wow. And if I personally feel that like she made city champions as championships as a freshman. Um, she didn't, you know, she placed, I forgot what she placed in cities, but good experience to go up against juniors and seniors as a freshman. You know what I'm saying? Um, she won indoor city championships, uh, freshman sophomore city championships. She won, uh, she won that indoor. She placed second outdoor this year. So like potential, tons of potential there. So it's time to grind and get on that, but grind for the starting five. Big ups to John Armstrong and everybody who was involved with Philly Cigar Week. We went down there Friday, Saturday, had an amazing time. Um, I, I kind of dropped the ball on the, when the podcast was supposed to be released, but I just uploaded everything today, and the first podcast will be up tomorrow, probably just like this one. So you take in Wrestling is Trash, take in the Philly Cigar Week podcast. Um, we sat down. We didn't get as many podcasts interviews in this year but we got three that were quality enough that's going to give us a 45 minute episode and Ooh. the out the hour episode which the hour episode nice. was phenomenal shout out to the experienced brokers because those guys opened the opportunity and just like how in the wwe which we're about to talk about in a second within professional wrestling as a whole they talk about they're not going to give you a spot, but they're going to give you opportunity to take your spot. And those brothers give us the opportunity to be a part of New York Cigar Festival. Dope. So the Star 5 podcast wow. will be doing a live show to where we don't have to drive an hour and a half away. All we got to do is make our way to Manhattan, Queens, or wherever part of the city they're hosting this podcast discussion. The Starify podcast is going to be there. And we landed that opportunity in the middle of an hour conversation. Wow, that's dope. Opportunity. Seize opportunities, all the opportunities you can that will help better you, people. Not just any old shit, but better you. But now we got to talk about the hot news that's been going on and... Is this a seizing of an opportunity by way of, you know, a little bit of the fornications, a little bit of the, <laughs> a little bit of the fornications, or a little bit of the, uh, you know, the the snoo snoo or whatever you want to call it, Lou? But what's been going on in the world last week? The biggest news in a very long time. Yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> so this story has got a whole bunch of uh, different layers to it, and there's a whole lot of opinions out there about it. So, of course, we're, we're referencing Vince McMahon and his, um, I don't even know what else to call it, but a situation, a situation that he finds himself involved in where he's been, it, it, some report came out, and again, I don't have it in front of me or anything like that. So it's basically just off of memory. But a report came out from the Wall Street Journal that he had paid millions of dollars in hush money to uh, a woman who he had an extra marital affair with. And after that news popped, all the old stories of how horrible Vince McMahon is or allegedly is 
started resurfacing and you had all these old stories, the steroid stuff, the, you know, the Owen Hart stuff, the stuff where he didn't, um, you know, he didn't take care of certain wrestlers who were hurting or mentally unstable, a la Chris Benoit. And it's like, you know, Vince McMahon is a very strange character in American history. Like, he just... And not so much even even if wrestling, whatever you you want to say what you've said about him and wrestling. The guy has, you know, he's been an innovator in a lot of ways. He's he's done a lot for wrestling. He's done a lot, in my opinion, to kind of turn wrestling to something I'm not really a big fan of. But at the end of the day, he has been probably the biggest promoter ever. Um, you know. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. And he's that that it goes without saying that a lot of things that have happened over the years, a lot of them have probably not been good. But I wasn't there. None of us were there except for him and the people involved. So the the story for me it gets a little weird because I don't like you're getting all this hearsay. And again, on this show, we like to talk about these dirt sheets who come up with all these stories, but like, where are the stories coming from? An anonymous source in WWE told me is something that I see a lot. I see a lot on Twitter and it's like, okay, well, what the fuck does that mean? Because I could just go make a Twitter account and start tweeting an anonymous source in WWE told me that fucking, you know, Drew McIntyre is whatever. Like, you know what I mean? So you get all this information, but you don't really know where it's coming from or what to do with it. So in, in, in order for me to not to get too long winded about this, um, my, my initial reaction to, and let's just talk about when, what he decided to do on SmackDown. (laughs) So I have some opinions on the reactions too. like, yeah, this, 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 all these, this situation happened. These, 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 uh, new stories came out. And like the Wall Street Journal thing, that's legit. That's coming from the Wall Street Journal and it's documented that he paid this hush money to this person. Now that's something that can't be disputed. All these other reports of allegedly Vince McMahon, you know, forcing himself on uh, the first female referee, unofficial, the first female referee in WWE. Um, I don't have her name in front of me, so I can't tell you the name, but she claimed that he raped her. Um, and there's other allegations with Candace Michelle and, uh, you know, it, it gets ugly when you start going through these stories, but again, it's, it's could be considered hearsay because you don't know where it's coming from. But before we get to the SmackDown thing, cause I mean, that was a quickie. That was a real quickie. This is one of my problems when it comes to today's error and culture of just, you 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 alleged to have done something wrong you are now public enemy number one for good you are everything wrong and bad in the past that has been settled and taken care of all of a sudden could come back to light to tarnish you in a situation that has nothing to do with what happened then now i don't say that in like defense in a way of Vince McMahon. Y'all can take this how you want. I just sit back 
and as the, the chips fall, I just have questions. And all I've ever had was questions because the way the Wall Street Journal report had made it out to be was this was a consensual relationship and monies were paid to her out of his own pocket. So if these are the quote unquote facts being reported, where is the wrongdoing? Now the wrongdoing would be, and I got to give props to um my uh, No Spots podcast family because they were talking about it. But I, I was telling y'all they were kind of talk about it as in a way of Vince was the villain type of situation when I couldn't see it like that. To where quid pro quo situation could be at play. And if this was a, and of obviously they're going to have to prove this in court. If this was a situation of give me some ass and I will give you this raise, give you this promotion. If that happens, then yeah, fuck Vince goes down for whatever the fuck he goes down for. But if that can't be proven, but it was proven that this was a consensual relationship and we all know NDAs are a real thing, especially within courtrooms and stuff. If an NDA was signed, taken care of with, quote unquote, here's this money for you to stay quiet, then whoever is the mole or the leak or whatever, all the way down should get sued. Yeah. All the way and down. And if... And, no, and it's funny because the the it, you sit there and you... The week before, Stephanie McMahon stepped down from WWE and the company. Right, right, right. And the reasons that she did that, according to her, was she wanted to spend more time with her family, right? And Mm -hmm. I think a couple weeks before that, Triple H was removed from some other position. I mean, I know that he had a heart infarction or whatever it is that he had a, you know, he had a heart issue. Yeah, he spent some time in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, was brought back to, you know, kind of be backstage and stuff. But then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a position there that was taken from him or something. Um, But it's just funny to me that that happens. And then the next week, like, literally, this report comes out about Vince. And it's like, the fuck? Like, again, I'm not trying to go down conspiracy road. But it's like, if, like you said, if there was an NDA and it was signed, and this money was paid off as hush money to someone who agreed to take the money and sign something, then where the fuck are these reports coming from? And, like, what's the purpose of them coming out now? Like, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. again, if if Vince did some of these horrible things that he's accused of, and they come out, and, and it gets taken to court and all that and proven, like, fuck Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 100%. 100%. Him. Like, fuck him. Get him out of here. Like, you know what I mean? But I have to question, like, where's this stuff coming from all of a sudden? Like, why is this happening now? You know what I mean? And that's so, my, I that's my questioning. Yeah, and this is why. Where is this coming? It's slowly just being done again. Like you mentioned, Stephanie just stepped down to kind of take a break. But we all know Vince is the majority stakeholder. Like I heard his stake is almost like like 80% of the company. And then it's funny, like he steps down. He steps down. 
he steps down and he's still in charge of creative. Like, what the fuck? Like, how can you step down from your duties? Right, right. You're still basically in charge of everything. It's like such a farce. Like, uh, I don't. It's, well, it's so well, stupid. It's, it's C CEO versus being in charge of creative. Two totally different things. Because this being the CEO, you are the head person in charge of all yeah. the business end of the stuff. Him still running creative is still running the show separately. I mean, I so I, it, I, it, I get it, I get like get like the label part of it, but like, come on, bro. Like, if you're gonna say you're stepping down, you should step away from the company in its entirety. Not go show up on SmackDown, tear up the fucking script an hour before the show. And decide that you're gonna open up the show with like a statement, like "Come on, bro!" Like, it, you know what I mean? But, but again, it goes to the differences because those labels happen to be important in this situation. Because once again, you're dealing with stockholders, you're dealing with investors. So now you need that new face, somebody to remove. He, his face can't be the face for the stockholders right now because now you are putting a bad light on said company which is then can in turn ruin my investment as a stock that's you you're proving my point you're you know like right but, my point though no but that's as a stockholder creative point it's separate from the business end even no, and though, I get, I know, but I, you though, and I, you and I understand that but right, the, the right, general right. audience the the drones who mm-hmm. who eat this product up are just hearing this news. They're hearing step, he's stepping down, but then all of a sudden he's appearing on the show. So like you don't even know, like you know what I'm saying? You don't know if you're being worked, you don't know if this shit is real, you don't know like what's going on. And this is a part of the reason for our discussion is to help enlighten those who don't understand the two. And that again, it's totally different. So but but the irony is is the product drives the business yeah and so in a way he's still making and creating his vision overall he's just now stepped away from the business financial end of everything right and that's that's the the only key differences in the two spots to where yeah it did sound confusing as hell how the fuck is he still giving us this garbage on tv how is he still being able to control that shit but he had to step away from that. But when there I, was when, your, the base explanation of the differences for anybody that was confused. Yeah, when I saw that tweet, the Vince McMahon will be will be live on SmackDown tonight at eight o'clock. I was like, "What the fuck? Come on, bro! Are you right. serious, dude? What a car! What a fucking circus, yo!" Yeah, and I was look I was looking for more, but then you hit us up and was like, "Yo, he just said today for now, whatever today." forever you know his slogan bro he was and out there for 45 bounced. seconds yo and he said <laughs> nothing right nothing like, there was no point it was like why did you show your face no there was a point there was a point the point was for him to go out there and to do this to whoever put that report out that's what that was that was that that's what that was that was this mm-hmm. going fuck you I'm Vince fucking McMahon <laughs> and I'm going to come out here on my own show and I'm going to say what's up and I'm going to walk up the way he threw that mic. I don't know if you got to go back and actually watch it. You see his yeah. body language. Like he throws the mic. He doesn't like throw the mic, like throw it away. He fucking goes like he did some pirouette shit, threw the mic down. Like, yeah, what? And walked off with his he, shit. And I was like, he hit the bat. He hit the bat flip on him. 
He, yeah, this dude he is hit that home run back chain, on him. Yeah, he just exactly. <laughs> he just bro, he don't give a fuck, dude. He he just feels like he's untouchable at this point, which I, I can't blame him. He made it, you know, 73 years or whatever it is. No, I mean I mean the man the man damn near bulletproof fucking made it through the steroid scandal, survived, grew, made it through all survived, the other survived scandals that, that Bob Costas beat day. Mm, all yeah. of it, everything. Everything and and eating the competition in the what in in his wake, like it's it's I, again when I'm not we're not trying to defend and or it's just right, a matter of, of we still need more information. We're still curious yeah. to who is we're still curious to who is the leak, who where where is this leak coming from? Why now? You know, and of course you know what we all did the first point we all pointed the finger at who Nick Khan. <laughs> We all pointed the finger like, at him. Yo, because everybody's like, been... yo, Nick Khan, Nick Khan secretly is the work. You ever seen? I don't know if y'all, whoever's listening to this, have seen that Mortal Kombat meme with uh, Nick Khan. You know how when you play Mortal Kombat and you play ladder mode, it would like your picture of your character here and it would go <laughs> up the ladder. And there's like Triple H, Stephanie, Vince, and fucking Nick Khan. It's just he keeps going higher and higher on the list. Like he's taking people out. Like that shit is hilarious. And it's like, again, on this show, we try not to, you know what I'm saying? We try not to speculate. We try not to delve into he said, she said. So we try to give you like a little bit of uh, clarity when it comes to these things. That's why we're saying like, where is this coming from? What's going on? What's the purpose? Because again, all these allegations against Vince over the years, I wasn't there. And again, if it's true, yep. Then fuck him. You know what I mean? He goes to court, he gets sued, he goes to jail, whatever happens, bro. But again, I don't know. I wasn't there. So I can't sit here and vilify somebody for something that I don't know if he's guilty or not. And that's yeah. what we try to like, that's what we're trying to establish here. Is like, dude, like, why is this happening now? Like in within this one month span, all this shit is happening. Like, it's like, why? Right. That's the question and I have is why. And and that's my same question to why, how, all that good stuff. But I I again I just take that step back and look at it from but if this was as reported, if this was consensual, what did he do wrong? If you are feeding us this initial information of if this was consensual, what did he do wrong? Now the quid quo pro the quid pro quo part is the wrong if that can be proven yeah that's the thing if that can be proven and the problem with today's society is like i said before now you're revilifying him for shit that he's already gotten past already beat right or wrong right or wrong and i'm not standing on either side I'm not standing on either side, but right or wrong, whatever he did then has been handled then. Then so now forever. Use that and, there you go. And that's what's going on from the fan standpoint. Then it's still relevant now and is relevant forever because if you do something else wrong again, we're still going to be bringing this shit up. But you're using you know, that against him in this situation that that stuff doesn't tie to this. It speaks to his character. I'll give you that. Yep. 
but only thing, if you know, quid pro quo happened is where yeah, that's that's the, that's the main thing there. The quid pro quo shit because that's against the. From what I understand and the little bit of shit that I read about the bylaws and the shit that the CEOs and the CFOs all have in their contracts is that that shit is you cannot have that. And that's in basically every company. When you go through every company yep. training, and I only know that because I just went through a company training where they were talking about <laughs> you cannot do quid pro quo, you can't do this, harassment, da 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 da. That's all standard stuff that that's in contracts. So, you know, if if that's proven. And, and I think that's the meat of this case, really. Um, that's probably why it's, you know, coming to light or whatever, because he paid this off. And, you know, whether or not she has an NDA, if, if he was doing quid pro quo, then the NDA doesn't matter. So it's like a whole legality. And I think that's like the main the main thing here. So only time will tell, bro. We don't know what's going to happen. It's been pretty quiet this past week since SmackDown. I mean, I, I mean, not this yeah. week, because that was Friday. So. Um, you know, it's only been the weekend just hit, so you you never know what's gonna happen. But it's been pretty yeah, quiet like this said, weekend. So I don't know. <laughs> like you said, man, the the bat the bat flipped silenced everything for now. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> for now, for now, man. But we're not silent right now. Um, we do have to give in the rest of the world. We lost two legendary referees. Yeah, man. In a matter of days, I think maybe one day after the other, we lost one of the Hebner twins. Dave Hebner passed away, and the legendary Tim White also passed. Tim away. White, man. Um, uh, Tim White, I believe. Tim White, obviously, shout out to our Rhode Island brothers. But it was uh, it was Brian and Carl who let us know that he was the person who owned the bar right in Rhode Island that they always used. On like most of the shoots and stuff like that in the late nineties, so, yeah. yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, and yeah. then and then Dave he and then Dave Hebner, Earl Hebner's brother, which it took us years to figure out. Holy shit, these two are yeah, they're, they're twins. Like we always yeah. thought it was, we always thought it was just Earl in the ring all the time. Yeah, it was saying, bro, this guy's been the referee <laughs> for like seventy two years. The fuck is going on? There's like, oh wait, there's two. Yeah. Of them. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and again, both of their legacies span from WWF to E to I think some TNA. I'm TNA, not sure if any of them spent time in WCW. Yeah, but I mean, legends. This is legends, and we got to give more props to the referees out there. Maybe one of these. Yeah, one of I'm these weeks so we'll talk. glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because like WWE has this yeah. weird habit now that like their referees are like nameless faceless people like they don't i know the referee's supposed to be there to like you know what i'm saying conduct the match but like earl habner brian habner tim white these are these are names that like they've called classic fucking matches and like they're not supposed yeah. to be like big stars yeah. or anything charles like that, robinson but, yeah there's their names they're, those are those are people who are part of memories. Yeah. Like you see them there during the match. Like so for, for red shoes. Yeah. We know of him as red shoes in New Japan. Yeah. <laughs> we got them. And then of course, like, I mean, everybody talks. Yeah. This in the bots. WWE is because Aubrey and known 
in the ring. You know, like they made her presence. We know who Aubrey Edwards is in the ring. You know, and that's a good thing. And that brings us back to those times where we did know who was the referees. Like shit, people forget. Like people like Harvey Whippleman started off as a referee. There's just so many other people who were managers back in the day and stuff that were referees. You didn't even know. Shit, Teddy Long. Teddy Long went through almost every state. Nick Patrick is one of my favorites in WCW. Yeah, because he was one of those who you could say one of the first who did like the heel turn referee when he went with the NWO. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like it's and you, yeah, you we, mentioned, gonna, what you mentioned yeah, you mentioned Aubrey. Aubrey annoyed me for a long time. Like she really did. Because on one hand, I'm saying, you know, referees shouldn't be like characters, but then I'll say now that I like I can appreciate Aubrey Edwards now as far as what she does in the ring. Because she does add to the match with her. She is very flamboyant in the way that she officiates matches. Now, a lot of people hate her because they feel like she's trying to get her, you know, her gimmick in during a match when you're not supposed to really do that. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned to kind of open myself up more to a little diversity when it comes to, like, different things. Because I would have hated that shit back in the day. I would have been like, what the fuck is this person doing? Like, why is is she, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But it's like referees are important man and they should be recognized that's why like i feel like i'm glad to see like tim white you know and the Hebners are getting like all this attention because they deserve it bro they they've worked a long time they've given a lot of their life to this business and they shouldn't just be like oh yeah the referee earl hebner like no bro those people are important and they are a part of the show they help the match move along yeah they 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 are beyond important yeah, like they're the one who gotta feed who feed the wrestlers. Okay, two minutes. Okay, it's time to take it home. Okay, yo, you all right? Are you okay? And this, that, and the third. They are, I mean, le- yes, they're a part of the act that's going. Excuse me, they are a part of the act that's going on in the ring, but they are officiating because what happens when somebody gets injured? Who's the person that's got to throw up the X to let everybody know? Mm-hmm. It's literally it's it's literally like a sideline coach that's involved in each and every play, if you want yep. to say. You know, he's like it's 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 I wouldn't give it head coach status, I would give it more wide receiver coordinator or offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator type. Like that's their type of role where they're not the head man, but they are just as important as the two athletes or or four athletes or Ted Man Tag, whatever it is, they are as important in the ring as the product itself. So, yeah. But not next week. We'll save that (laughs) one as the major topic because next week we are going to have some fun. Oh, yeah. We'll reveal that at the end of the show because it's, it's some shit that I love talking about because it's fucking comical. That even still to this day, that you know, we we as a people gotta use this word, but we'll see that for later. And it's and it's funny because as I was doing research for the topic we're talking about today, I ran into a video that you ended up sending the video later in the chat, and then I kind of like watched that, and then I watched like a couple other things, and it's like I had to laugh, like I just had to fucking laugh at some of this shit because it's like it's not funny. 
but at the same time it's like this shit is hilarious that it actually like happened and like it's it's such a it's such a <laughs> It's yeah, such a diverse topic. I can't actually wait for next week so we can talk about it. Fuck that it. Shit. We'll say it now and we'll remind you at the end of the show. We're talking about the most rape, some of the most racist moments in wrestling history. <laughs> and the the first one that always comes to mind, especially of people of our age, because we were there to have seen it, not maybe not in the arena, but we were alive and in front of our TVs to have seen it. Always brings me back to the Rowdy Piper incident where mm. I mentioned this before, I believe on this show, but definitely on the Start Five podcast once before, where I said it wrong, factually wrong. Andre the Giant stole the chemical that was supposed to be used to remove the black paint off of Roddy Piper's half of the body. This was when Roddy Piper was in the feud with Bad News Brown and decided to wrestle him half black, half white. Now, we all know Roddy was one of the greatest mouthpieces ever, greatest heels, but did he ever really truly project himself to be a racist? From my standpoint, no, not I, really. I've never, I've did never he pull seen the it. strings. I've never felt, yeah, I've never felt it once. But did he pull the strings and and, and toe the line, especially with that half and half shit? And he smacked Jimmy Snook in the and head the with a fucking I'm, coconut. <laughs> <laughs> but it's shit like that that we can Ugh. point the finger at as like yo WWF at the time yo you was wildin' you know what I'm saying you was wildin' or we could look at as I mentioned no, the no fabulous Freebirds no, no more. that's it this is it Confederate yeah, flag ring next week yeah yeah Confederate flag ring oh, yeah. and stuff like that and how the Confederate flag has even more been turned into a racist thing which that's even laughable because these people were representing losers but I digress we'll give you right. more of this stuff next week oh yeah and just but for me just for me if, if, <laughs> I, if I could just kind of throw a quick one and I'm not even going to delve into this too much but talking about the person we were talking about last mm -mm, segment mm -mm. <laughs> don't say that one. That is one of the goat ones. But that please shit is don't goat. say that. I just, I just can't. I just, I just, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna leave it alone, man. But I watch. I have to, I, bro. I probably watched. I probably watched that video at least like two or three times, like a, a month or maybe two months. Like I'll remember that shit, and I'll, oh, I gotta watch this, and I'll just go back and watch it because I just, I can't fucking believe. That shit happened, but yeah, you want to know what I'm talking about? You tune in next week and next you'll you'll week. hear about it. Both of them, by the way, both of them, both of them. <laughs> but we're gonna keep it up, and we're gonna give y'all what we were supposed to deliver last week, and that is our favorite five pause all day. But <laughs> see, we got two New Yorkers here. We can play the pause game. You can play the pause funny. game. That's good. We, yeah, Rob we, is we, not here. Rob gets Rob gets infuriated <laughs> with that shit. We was talking about that shit this weekend with some Philly cats. It, it, he threw out the pause. I was like, all right, yeah, we we home now. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's says, yeah, we know. We're grown men. We're grown women. We don't have to say it. The shit's just fun. <laughs> we ain't got to say it at all. It's just fun. But we're going to the people who were perceived to be light in the ass. Pause. The cruiserweights. <laughs> the cruiserweights. And we're giving our favorite fives. Um, Lou, because it's us, you know, we could just kind of bounce back and forth. 
together instead yeah. of running the whole list down. Um, right. it's up to you. You want to? You know what? You start with it. No, I'll start this one. And since okay, I mean we both black, but I'm the the Negro of the show. I'll start the next one. <laughs> um. So when we came up with this idea, it was supposed to be uh, we decided we didn't. I don't think we said this actually on the show, but what we decided was that we did. Because for did. me, if you guys don't know, my all time favorite wrestler in the world on earth was Eddie Guerrero, and he's just the fucking greatest. Um. So we made it a point to kind of leave out the big names um like Mysterio and Eddie and you know the 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 real Jerichos the real big famous cruiserweights we made it a point to kind of like maybe leave them out of the list we left the um, four four goats in I would say in my opinion for sure but we left four goats out because yeah. we think personally they would be Mount Rushmore as cruiserweights yeah. we left Eddie Ray Jericho and Benoit off yeah. this list because the yeah. obvious reasons we would breeze through this shit in two minutes. Yeah, it'd be a very short list. So, again, what we try to do or what I try to do for the most part is kind of pick my favorites, like people that I have memories with. They may not be the greatest ones in the world, uh, in your opinions, but um, these are just guys that for me, I, 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 I love to death. So, for me, how do you want to do this? You want me to just go five, and then you do five, and then I go four, you do four? Well, we'll, bat, we'll just, bat, like I said, bounce we'll them bounce back around. and forth one to one. Now, whether you have them, I, like, my, all right, as I look at my list, my one and two are solid. Everything yeah. else is up in the air. So I'll start yeah. from my bottom up and leave my two and one for later. So yeah. it's up to you in which direction you want to go. Yeah, for me, my number five is Dean Malenko. Man of a thousand holds. That dude, for me... Um, cause when I first got introduced to cruiserweights, it was basically the luchador, um, the, what do you, what, what, how do I want to say this? It was like the luchador, uh, division in WCW. That's basically what yes. the fuck it was. It was like all these luchadors I'd never heard of before. I'd never seen them anywhere before. Fucking, uh, psychosis, El Dandy, Mil Mascaras, all these people who I've like never seen before doing all these things I've never seen before. And then all of a sudden, here comes Dean Malenko in these black trunks with these black boots. And I'm like, who the fuck is this goofy ass, like, fucking, who, who is this dude? Like, he's, this guy looks like a fucking creator wrestler. Like, he, he don't look like nobody. And then he would go out there and do the most technical shit I've ever seen. And he would do it so clean that I didn't even understand it. Even with a little yes. beer belly that he had. He had this mm -hmm. little beer belly going on. The dude wasn't in any kind of like tremendous shape or anything like that. He just almost looked like a in shape regular dude. And he would go out there and just do some amazing shit. Like I was always amazed by Dean Malenko matches. He was fantastic, that guy, man. That 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 I had to put him top five because he's just the best, man. And I I my list I kind of stayed away from the radicals because two of the two of the four were yeah. there like i wanted yeah. i wanted to put perry saturn in my thing actually dean malenko was in my honorable mentions list because of everything you said plus some you know what i'm saying but i'm gonna start off with probably one of the guys who you could somewhat say kicked off the lighter weight 
revolution, if you want to say, in the WWF. And that was whether you want to call him the one, two, three kid, mm. six, X Pac, his real name, Sean Waltman. But X Pac, and I resort to X Pac because he carried X Pac both in, well, briefly in WCW because he went by six over there because of copyrights. But he was most yeah. famously known as X Pac because of the whole DX stuff. This kid was unbelievable. Like when you really, really lay it down and put him out, like he looked like the little punk ass pain in the ass that was like tease you was the little weasel kind of character. But once that man got in the ring, he was an ass kicker for real. And then just the countless amounts of legendary matches that people slept on with him. The Mm -hmm. countless amounts of ladder matches and just this kid put on banger after banger after banger that would get overshadowed because he wasn't the bigger name out of the crew. But if you ever needed a crazy dope match from that, any promotion he's ever been in, there's something that you could recall and be like, yep, yeah, this dude is fucking great. Yeah, This six, dude is fucking great. Six was uh, uh, Sean Wallman, whatever we want to call him. I think for me personally, the X-Pac run, the X-Pac singles run that he had um, in WWF was like his peak and that and also when he teamed up with Kane I think when yes, he teamed up yes. with Kane when they when they had their little tag team thing going on and he finally got Kane to break out of his weirdo shit I remember when he took the Kane was talking with that uh <laughs> yeah that, that, yeah that, yeah that yeah cigarette joint he was using the talk yeah. at X-Pac there was one episode I think it was a I don't know if it was a I think it was a raw where X-Pac was like nah you don't need that shit anymore he took the shit and threw it away, and then Kane ended up saying "suck it" into the uh, regular mic and shit. The whole crowd went crazy. Like that was uh, all that shit was really memorable, man. And um, even as like I, I I I obviously he's a cruiserweight because of his body type, but that dude is very 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 underappreciated. I think in in general, like yeah, he was in DX, you know, and he was a, a founding member of the NWO too, but like. Nobody ever really talks about fucking X-Pac or Six. They never mention him really on TV and packages and any of that shit, man. He underappreciated. I would equate his underappreciation to like a D-Lo Brown's underappreciation. D-Lo. <laughs> sky high? I got to watch. I'm going to watch Slammiversary after this. I got it ready to go. Um, I was so happy to see D-Lo Brown. On TV again, hitting that fucking sky high. I don't know if you saw that shit that happened. No, I didn't. This weekend, I didn't. Oh man, he. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but he. They had uh the 20 years anniversary celebration yeah, yeah. pay per view, mm-hmm. and he came. He came back with the Aces and H jacket and shit, and he hit a sky high on. Uh, I can't remember his fucking name, but it was it was beautiful. That sky high. I forgot how good that fucking finisher is, bro. Yeah. And. Dilo okay. has a very fucking underrated frog splash. That's probably a top three frog splash in the business, period. And it's super underrated, unappreciated. I might, I, I might be able to give you that. I'd have to look back over a lot of other people, but I love that. Yeah, just, frog splash. just, just talk. Just thinking about him talking underappreciated. Like you got it. People got to deep dive on his history too, because when the gangsters made his their appearance, he was right there in the back. Yeah. He was right there. He he, he he's got a long history 
I had a dude. I had a dude that used to work with in uh, back in. Oof, I don't even want to say the year. It was '98. I used to work with this dude. He was a Puerto Rican kid, and he used to call me D'Lo Brown because he said I looked like fuck. He's like, "Yo, you look like D'Lo Brown," and he would shake his head and shit when he saw me. I was like, "Man, if you don't shut the fuck up with that shit, call me D'Lo Brown. I'll beat your ass." And and now it's a compliment because now respect, I'm like, I take that we shit respect as a compliment the fuck big time. Yeah, yeah, word up. But next up for you. Next up for me, I threw uh, Brian Kendrick. Now again. Okay. I know Brian Kendrick has a. Some people are not happy with some things that he said in the past. I honestly don't even really know. I don't remember the shit that he said. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm I'm not here to you know. I, we're not doing hearsay on this show. Brian Kendrick for me as a cruiserweight or wrestler was phenomenal. I was super fucking excited when they announced that he was going to be wrestling Moxley on fucking AEW, and then that shit immediately got killed because of whatever comments he made 10 years ago or whatever the fuck. But I was so excited to see that dude wrestle on TV. I was excited when he came back to WWE and was on 205 Live. I actually watched a little 205 Live because he was on there because that dude is very talented in the ring. He does a great job of telling a story in a wrestling match. And when he first came out, he looked like he was about 13 years old. When he was first in WWE with that big-ass jacket with the shoulder pads trying to make himself look bigger. Um, when he teamed up with Paul London, they were a fucking phenomenal tag team. Super underrated tag team. And I just, um, I can't say enough about this dude's ability. Uh, he plays a great heel. He plays a pretty good face. And technically, he's super sound. I just uh, really enjoyed that guy's matches, man. I wanted to put him in my top five because I, I, I was debating whether or not to put him in there. Yeah. But since we removed some names and then some other names, like I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I wrestled between him and Tajiri. So I chose I, Brian whew, Kendrick. I chose I just, Brian Kendrick. I, but maybe an hour before we started, I just pulled Tajiri out of my top five because I forgot one name. Yep. And I, I had to, I, I had wrestled. to kind of flip flop him. Yeah, so Tajiri, Tajiri actually makes my honorable mention. Yeah, that's um, I got him in there too. And Kendricks is somebody who I think I seen the beginning on him, and I I respect what he's done when him in London with a tag team that ran with the belts for like at the time yeah. it was a record uh, length of of title reign. That was the kind of the point when I was already checked out of WWE mm-hmm. because that that was when they were the only game in town. Yep. But my pick was around when the cruiserweights were, was it like, it was the division of WCW and whether people hated it or loved it, Billy Kidman, Billy Kidman was always a player in that division no matter what time of the year, no matter... And if you want to kind of throw the innovator label on him, nobody had really at the time a better shooting star press than him. That, bro. Billy Kidman... So I'm a WCW guy. Again, like if you guys listening to this don't, don't really know, you know, my history with wrestling or whatever. Yeah, I love WWE when I was young. But for me, I was WCW all the way. I loved everything about WCW. Um, And one of my favorite things 
that came out of WCW was Raven's Flock. Now, I know that Kidman didn't really do too much when he was in that group, but that's where I got introduced to him. That was one of my favorite fucking things ever in wrestling, the Raven's Flock. Um, once Billy broke away from that, he had, he started having like singles matches. I remember, he had, didn't he have a match against Hogan on Nitro? He, I he believe he probably yeah, did. Yeah, he beat the shit out of Hogan and then Hogan ended up winning with shenanigans or whatever. I remember reading back in the wrestling forums back in the day because it wasn't like it is now. You had to go to fucking wrestling forums to read about wrestling news. Um, there was heat on Hogan because he was holding Kidman down or whatever. But I mean, we don't need to get into all that, but just Billy Kidman was fucking phenomenal. And I really, um, I wish that he had a bigger spotlight put on him because I really think he could have been like a legendary talent. He was super young and he was doing some amazing things that nobody was really doing. Nobody was really doing the shit that he was doing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, let's I, keep I, it real. Let's keep it real. All the cruiserweights back then were doing shit that people couldn't think to do. Oh, yeah. And I know and they, when it's my when it's my turn next, the guy I'm going to mention can be perceived as an innovator of a lot of shit. Yeah. So this is what I talked about earlier in the pre-show with you, where I had a guy who a lot of people probably wouldn't think of him as a cruiserweight, but he held a cruiserweight championship and I looked it up. So technically he's a cruiserweight. <clears throat> so for me and my number three, I put Jerry Lynn in my number three. Jerry Lynn. Great man. Pick. Listen, if you guys aren't familiar with Jerry Lynn right now, he's working in, uh, he works in AEW backstage. You, you might see him on TV pop up every once in a while. If you want to see some tremendous matches, go back ECW Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam. They had a trilogy of matches. Every match is better than the last one. Every I mean, single one of them. <laughs> these guys, these guys, man. And again, I like to do this every episode, but one of these days we got to have a talk about RVD. Um, oh, shit. RVD is the fucking greatest. But it, it, again, if you want to go back and learn about Jerry Lynn, him versus RVD, those matches, they're on the um, they're on the. If if I knew exactly what pay per view, I think it was Anarchy Rules. They had their second match. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to look it up. But it's on the it's on the it's on the cock. If you guys want to go load up Peacock and look that up, you can definitely watch them on there. Um, Jerry Lynn, another guy who. <laughs> Jerry Lynn, another guy for me who just I wish had a bigger spotlight on him. man. unfortunately, he had a lot of back issues and his yeah. career was kind of cut short because of that. And then he had like an ACL thing that also happened that kind of like, you know, derailed him and shit. So he never really got his big chance in WWE on the big show. But man, right. for me, and he should be he should be somebody that, again, a name that I, I knew was like almost like an automatic, but belongs in my honorable mentions list because I had to diversify my top five of yeah. my favorites. But Jer yeah, Jerry Lynn was just, when when I first seen him, I was like, okay, he looks like generic creative wrestler. Yep. And, it, and then when you watched him work, it was like, oh, I get it. But then when you hear him on the microphone, Jerry Lynn, <laughs> stay off the mic. Yeah. Please wrestle. Yeah. 
yeah, like when V Rob says I'm here for the wrestling wrestle the wrestles, he's, he's here to watch, watch Jerry, Jerry Lynn. Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> watch fucking Jerry Lynn. And like and like Lou just said, man, that trilogy of matches he had with Rob Van Dam. Again, I I didn't even put Rob Van Dam on this list because he's just in like a stratosphere to me that Rob, doesn't need Rob to be quantified. Hits- just like his song in WWE is called One of a Kind. Of a kind. There's, there's nothing like Rob Van Dam. There's no, you can't, Dude. you can't classify Rob Van Dam in any type of thing. He's literally one and, of one. And when I first, and I think I might have watched it live, when he pulled out the Van Terminator, I think I did a, I might have came close to doing a backflip, jumping out of my bed like, <laughs> holy shit. I, yeah. I, wow, but I digress because yep. I'm gonna go on to a different innovator, and I had to add a brother to the list. Mm. Too cold. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to play his music video. Ooh. I wanted to play his music video because that shit still is hilarious to this day. Damn, Man, how, did I, how did I not think of Too Cold Scorpio? But Too Cold Scorpio, you wanted to I. This dude, I mean, first off, you'll remember him because of the ears. Just look at his ears. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but um, innovator, like one of those, like, I mean, and we could have technically, because before they even had like a away title, thinking about it, we could have put Coco Beware on this list too because of innovation mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. But when you really, really t- think about somebody who's doing the flips and like the four fifties off the top ropes and shit like that, and Two Cold Scorpio was it clean and clean, yeah, and still wrestling to this day, not as clean, yeah. no, but... not, not at all, <laughs> not even close not to as clean. But uh, actually, like... that's funny because not to segue, but the next guy on my list, same thing. He's still at it to this day, and it's it's insanity. Keep going, keep going. All right, well, uh, all props to Two Cold Scorpio. Didn't mean to step on that. Um, so for me, for my number two, I have a dude who is known as the Insane Luchador. Uh, and his name is Super Crazy. Now, Super Crazy. Made my honorable mentions. His name, his name suits his style uh this motherfucker is an insane luchador he's doing things it's not so much about like bleeding and getting barbed wire bats and beating each other it's not so much about that it's about okay i'm gonna climb to the second story of this arena and i'm just gonna fucking 450 off of this thing onto three people like (laughs) i never saw anyone do any fucking thing like that before i once saw super crazy run from one rope jump past the turnbuckle on the other set of ropes and then jump on another I don't know what this luchador's name was. He had like a weird, it was, he almost looked like Flamita. He jumped on his shoulders and from his shoulders, he drop kicked another dude. Like I just, bro, super crazy is another guy who, this is why I like to do these personal lists because these are people who I would like for the general audience to know and give their fucking flowers to. Cause super crazy is still here by some miracle still out there wrestling. <laughs> I don't know why he's still out there doing this shit, 
but he's still out there wrestling, doing AAA and all kinds of other crazy shit. Lucha Underground, he's still out there. So, um, but yeah, he's been in ECW. He was in he was in the Mexicals for thirty seconds in WWE. He was in WCW and part of that cruiserweight division. Just a a, a phenomenal Mexican American athlete. I had to throw one of my Brown brothers in there. Um, I, ain't, I ain't mad at that because just he, phenomenal. He made he made my honorable mentions list because for what I've seen the top two, my top two do, which is I'm gonna get into next. Uh yeah, he move set wise, yeah, the dude was phenomenal. But quite possibly we could really put this man as the goat of cruiserweights if you want to. And that's Ultimo Dragon. Mr. Fucking 10 plus belts. That's my number one. One of the illest, one of the illest ever. One of the coldest, <laughs> one of the coldest wrestling pictures you can ever find is if you want to know who Ultimo Dragon is and Google him, one of the coldest pictures you'll ever see is him standing there in, in his mask and cape with his arms stretched out and this motherfucker's draped in championship belts. I mean, he's got belts all on both arms, around his waist, around his chest. On his, it's, it, that's an insane picture. Yeah, no, definitely is. And while you were talking, I was actually trying to get oh, to my well, TikTok because a while back, and then I have to scroll back some. No, that's cool. Somebody, well, I'll just finish. Has, I'll just I, finish up with him because he's my number yeah. one. So okay, because I, I, just, I was just going to mention. I just wanted to mention that somebody a while back asked, "What is one of the coldest pictures in wrestling you've ever seen?" And I'm about to. I'm about to play it for you right now. Oh, so throw that people, shit up. The people who are. The people who are listening. You'll be able to hear the audio that I did with this. But it's the coldest picture in wrestling history. Man. I really gotta say much. That shit, bro. Come on, man. Roll there. Look at it. Ultimo <laughs> Dragon's picture for sure. And look at that, that shit, man. That's I had to get, man. I had to yell at I had to yell at the people like that. Like, look at that shit. That's a fucking come on, man. Ultimo Dragon was the fucking I, and I'm sorry, I know he's your number two. No, keep going, keep going. But I guess since he's my number one, I'll just, bro, I've never seen a, a, a the corkscrew plancha. That corkscrew, uh, bro, I've never seen, that shit look like a video game when he used to do that shit in WCW. Like, I just never yeah. seen anything like that. And he would do another cork, he did another corkscrew. I forget, I don't know, remember what it's called, but it was almost like a Hurricane Rana, but he did it with corkscrew. Mm-hmm. Where he just fucking twisted his body like a dr- like a drill call. It was like a fucking Mega Man, like a video game. He was like drill man. <laughs> he had like drill I didn't understand power. how he would do that shit. And for yeah. a Japanese Japanese wrestler to be wrestling lucha style is bugged like, out to me. He's like, one just, of those. He's one of those that took those excursions to Mexico and trained over there on top of training in Japan and all that. And yeah, and and even behind a mask the ability to tell a story in the ring and the believability of he would make you look like he was going to lose almost an mm-hmm. entire match and then still have the stamina enough to pull out some of the crazy shit he did was impeccable. But my number one, 
happens to be my number one wrestler, my personal favorite wrestler, number one all time, who, because again, personal lists, what I love, what I like to see. If y'all know me by now, Hayabusa has mm. been my number one wrestler <clears throat> all time for a very long time. And just like how in rap, I have my reasonings for why people are in certain <laughs> positions in my personal top five, like KRS-One is my number one all time because I look at him in baseball terms as the five-tool MC. Just like how in baseball, you want to be perceived as a five-tool player. That means you can do it all. Hayabusa is one of those cats who can do it all. He's done it all. Give you a Lucha-style match. Give you... um. He was one of the first people I seen do the 450 off the top rope. Um, you talk about walking the rope with balance, I with great balance. I've seen him do it. His freaking moonsault planches outside of the ring, possibly the cleanest moonsaults I've ever seen anywhere, with the exception of when he unfortunately broke his neck in the middle of the ring. That, bring it to the other shit that I love. Death matches. This man was a part of one of the greatest death matches, in my opinion, the exploding barbed wire ring match, where the same shit that Eddie Kingston and Moxley tried to pull off with the whole covering of the body and all of that <laughs> shit, yeah, is what him and Onita perfect had perfect down per- perfect to perfection. But also, Onita was still crazy enough up here using real C4, real shit, and <laughs> the fucking amount of cloud of smoke that it made it beyond believable that some shit happened. But to have seen what this EG is EG Izaki has done over his career, fought heavyweights, fought middle, for everybody in just go look up Hayabusa, watch his matches, then you might understand why I personally revere this man as my favorite wrestler of all time. And then the look itself. Nobody's mask was better, in my opinion. And nope. I, I'll just stop it at rest in peace to him before I really start to get <laughs> choked up and all that shit because... Mm. There's, yeah, that dude is right here with me for good. Like when I seen him, it was the look, the mask, and then you see the cuts all over his body. It's like, yo, what the fuck has this dude been through? Then you start digging, start doing the homework, see the amount of barbed wire matches, see the amount of death matches this man's wrestled, and would go out each and every night and just perform clean almost every single night. A couple things that we would consider botches nowadays here and there, back then it still looked like, holy shit, he pulled that shit off. If there's anybody y'all need to do homework on, especially you American wrestling fans, especially the ones who are 30 and under who just know WWE, go do your homework on a Hayabusa. Go do your homework on Ultimo Dragon. Tuco Scorpio, Kidman, all these people, everybody Lou mentioned. And I'll even give you, I'll run down my honorable mentions real quick. I had to throw up there first, AJ Styles. It's almost criminal that he is not on our list. Mm-hmm. It's almost criminal. He's not done yet. He's the, not done. The yet. only reason I wouldn't is because I don't consider him a cruiserweight. That'd be the only reason why. I, I don't consider him a cruiserweight. I can give you that. But talk about a person who put a company on the map, put a whole style, X Division, the map, TNA, 
The eat, but oh, yeah. despite the dumbass storylines, like the baby storyline and all that shit mm-hmm. that he went through yeah. with TNA, the, the kid's a fucking master. I also put Alex Wright. Hate him or hate him. Alex <laughs> Wright and the and we're WCW guys. We Alex Wright was on your TV every freaking every week, week bro. Put on some damn good matches. Das Das Wonderkin. That's right. I had to give it up to Prince Puma, aka Ricochet. You want to talk about one of the possible young goats in a lucha style? That kid is beyond acrobatic. I Fantastic. mentioned D Malenko, super crazy. Tajiri, I already mentioned, who again, you want to talk about somebody who put on insane matches? That freaking what what would they call it? The spider fucking shit over the rope that he did when he oh, locked the tarantula that he does. The tarant- the fucking tarantula, yo. I used to pop every time I seen that movie. Yeah. But two names which I didn't put on there the La Parkers and stuff, because La Parker looked like a dude who was my size wrestling as cruiserweight. So I it was a mix of you know what I'm saying with him, but two yeah. names. Psychosis. Oh yeah. And Elix Skipper. Elix Skipper, oh, yeah. all you have to do, and I I, I looking him up because I remembered his name. He's from New York, but repped like he was a Canadian with that whole run with Lance Storm and all of them back in WCW. Yeah. But just go look up his freaking Hurricane Rana off the top of the cage in TNA. And to know they kind of made that up, I think, that day and was just like, oh, they was like, oh, you want to go practice, whatever? Like, nah, like. We're going to go out there and we're going to do it. And they did it. Pulled it off. One of the most incredible things you could ever see, like watching Kurt Angle do the moonsault off the top of the cage or Cody do the moonsault off. Elix Skipper's Hurricane Rider off the top of the off the top of the six-sided cage. Phenomenal. But those were my honorable mentions. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, mine, mine, they kind of mirror. I mean, I got to Jerry on mine. Uh, I do have LaParca on my list. And mostly that's for nostalgia of him coming out, playing the wailing on his chair guitar and doing that little goofy ass dance that he used to do. Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) Um, But uh, two guys that I wanted to definitely um, touch on, and I debated big time on them making the top list, but the great Muda for me. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people want to consider him a cruiserweight. I do. I did it, Um, but good pick. That dude... Talk about doing things that I've never seen before. The reason I didn't put him on the list is because I was so young the first time I saw the great Muda that I can't, like, I can't, you know, I don't know matches. I can't call great matches or anything like that. I just have memories of him doing shit. Now, whether or not those things were real or not, because I was so young and my memory, you know, whatever. But, hey, I just loved him, everything about him, his look. His style. He was the first dude I ever saw shooting mist out of his mouth. That, oh, that his, his look was like one of the first few that actually people were afraid of. Yeah. Like, and he did know. this move one time. I'll never in my life forget where he running off the ropes and he was it was like a diving headbutt, but he would bounce off the ropes and then kind of like twist and conjoint himself in a way when he was falling and he hit the head, but I just, I, I'm going to have to remember. That's why I was writing. Cause I want to look that up. I want to see if I can find it. Um, but the great Muda and, uh, the, the last one I have on my, um, honorable mentions, I 
really he's known as a tag team specialist, but this guy, the first ever X Division champion in TNA, Chris Saban. Chris Saban is, and Alex Shelley, the Motor City Machine Guns, probably top three tag team for me, uh, technically, because that 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 list gets a little silly because you know you start talking about the Dudleys and all these other people, but uh, the Motor City Machine Guns are probably one of the most entertaining tag teams I've ever seen wrestle. And Chris Saban, um, as far as being in the X Division, because the X Division in TNA was basically the Cruiserweight Division, but they call it the X Division instead, because um, it was like kind of like extreme Cruiserweights. Um, that dude, just type his name into any YouTube search, and you'll just find matches. He's fucking incredible, man. Chris Saban is just great. I would have put him in the top five. Um, I was debating him and and I was debating him and Jerry Lynn, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't leave Jerry Lynn off this list. So, um, Chris Saban didn't make the cut. I probably would put Chris Saban at six, to be honest with you. Um, so I want to just throw him my honorable mention because I. Fucking loved his style. Yeah, I could dig that. But next up now, we got to get a little darker because, like I mentioned, darker as far as skin tone, that is. But uh, <laughs> because we are today recording on the day that the federal government is observing Juneteenth, which the holiday itself passed June 19th yesterday, which was a Sunday. We just said, yo, let's talk about our favorite black wrestlers. I know it's a show that I've done many a times before within the start five talk conversations with many other people. Um, but the importance of like just black people in wrestling has been tremendous, like from the from the uh, uh, Ernie Lads to the uh, to the uh, to the Rock's dead, uh, Rock, you know, uh, Rocky Johnson, to oh, man. Teddy, Teddy Atlas to Bobo Brazil, like <clears throat> our legacy runs very deep in this game to um what's his name pork chop cash uh coco ware in the territory days before he became coco beware and they gave that motherfucker a parrot a parrot but for some it was reason. still it was still dope and it was still fun coming down to the ring flapping his arms like he was a bird but <laughs> you know you think about him and the tag team that he had with owen hart which was phenomenal them checkerboard pants and all of that shit and even when you go to the women, like, I'll, you know what? Because I, I have a women's list, and with this one, we'll go through our five. I'll start off with my women's list, and then you'll get into yours, and um, I'll do my men's one. But the, yeah, I just, I know, just have a, I just have a five list. Yeah, and that's it. I didn't, and, I didn't split them into men and women. Like I had to, I had, because I did it diff- this way because I wanted to give props. Yeah, of course. We're deserved, and like even the women in 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 wrestling history, especially the black women. Like the first name I'm gonna mention, Jazz. This woman, and you hear a person like Mark Henry talk on like Busted Open. You hear about a lot of older legacy, you know, legends in this game. They will tell you that that woman would beat men's asses, <laughs> was whipping men's asses, and was no joke but was very good in the ring. And I do remember her like it, they, she with the next name with one of the next names I'm going to mention, which is Jacqueline. They unfortunately came up. They came up prior to, but fell within that divas era. 
mm-hmm. well led led the led the way into the divas ever era because they were both good looking women, especially Jacqueline because she had the boobs and everything. And, and I'm not trying to be sexist, just calling them like I see it. Right, and, and they're not hard to miss, but <laughs> but um, but like they they kind of walked in and ushered in what we eventually got was the divas era in the WWF to the E at the time. But these two women were both ass kickers that were just that like you know jazz was more take no shit. Jacqueline pulled off moves like the cruiserweights that we talked about, and and both were very very phenomenal in the ring, which also. You could say ushered in a woman like who makes my list. Actually, two of them who make my list: a Sasha Banks and a Bianca Belair. Now, I was gonna put Jade on there, but she's too fresh, too young. Yeah. There's so many other women of color that we could put on there, but mm-hmm. those two, we talked about their his- the history already. Record-setting first women of color to main event of WrestleMania. Sasha Banks easily is one of the one of the goats of the WWE period. And then you can throw her in the goat status conversation amongst men and women if you wanted to split it up. I way. got her on I got her on my list. You know what I'm saying? And and Bianca is steadily growing. And you talk about as I mentioned Jazz being strong, powerful, this Bianca Belair is probably more of a powerhouse than Jazz. Probably not as hard as an ass kicker, but Bianca Belair is steadily climbing and ascending to the top of being in the GOAT conversation of WWE only. And I only got to specify WWE only because most people's knowledge of women's wrestling only stays within America, only stays Mm -hmm. within the tits and ass era of wrestling where they women were objectified, bra and panty matches. That's how you remember these women they only look at the blonde hair, blue eyed woman who they need to push everybody to the moon type shit. These women were, these women, I think surpassed all of that because of their abilities in the ring and, and stuff like that. And because people also don't look into Japanese women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. And if people took a dive into Japanese women's wrestling, those women be blowing some of these American matches out the freaking water. Oh yeah. But we're not talking about the whole landscape of it. We're talking about black, the black women and black wrestlers right now. And my number one, if y'all know me, I love the big ones from men (laughs) and women. Awesome Kong, a.k.a. Karma, a.k.a. whatever you want to call this woman. I looked at her like this is who Vader was in a woman's form. She really, she really made TNA like she made the knockouts division. She made that division. Her, her and Gail uh, Kim. Gail her Kim. and Gail, Gail Kim. Kim. Yeah, they made that yeah. division. It, it was both of them. Yeah, it was both mm-hmm. of them. I didn't both, mean to steal your thunder because I their, actually have. No, no, no. You're adding on. That's because yeah, I have. Because I actually have Kong. Their series of Kong is in my Kong is in my honorable mention. I got her in my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, she's in there. She's. Uh, that division owes a lot. And I'm so glad that they gave her her flowers. Like they let her come out and retire. I think it was on the NWA pay-per-view, right? She came out and she had that. Um, was I it on the NWA pay-per-view, right? Mickey, might, Mickey Jane brought so. her out, didn't she? I think she brought so. her out and, that and let her retire. A couple months ago. 
couple yeah, months ago. They let her retire. On, I didn't on see air it, but I, I, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard they let about her go it, but I didn't have see some it. time to officially retire and everything. She's uh, she's great, man. She's actually hilarious. I've seen uh, I've seen her on the You Shoot video series. I've seen a couple of interviews with her. She's actually fucking hilarious. That woman. I don't know what she's doing now, but like if she was doing like a pod or something like that, I would listen to that shit. She was dope. Yeah, she really was. She was. She easily, as far as black women are concerned, she's my number one because like when I in wrestling, like I always went to the big man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's why Vader is my number one big man all time. Like, I liked watch. I I did what the WWF slash E wanted to be. But it was a certain level of big man, the ones that could really put in matches. Like Vader was able to do a fucking moonsault. You wasn't seeing yeah. Taker do that. Even though if you go back to Mean Mark back in the day, Mean Mark was a hell of a wrestler compared to Undertaker. But we're yeah. not talking about them. It was just the thought process of the bigger person and her being as dominant as she is, is it's part of the reason why I love Nyla Rose so much. Take that however y'all motherfuckers want it. You want to be homophobe, that's on you. I love Nyla Rose. And Jesus. she does what the big what the big person could do uh, almost again, i.e. like a Vader. She could do small person moves at a larger size. And Awesome Kong had certain moments like that, but she was just pure powerhouse that beat the shit out of you, and I loved every second of it. Everything about Nyla Rose is dope. Like, her entrance is dope. Her ring gear is dope. Her music is dope. Her moveset is dope. Her fucking promos dope. Her Twitter game is fucking dope. She's like the fucking queen of Twitter. She's like the funniest person on there. She's the first one to pop off what AEW means. Like when something happens and you see a funny meme, chances are that shit was Nyla Rose who, who tweeted that shit. She's dope. Anybody that has a problem with her, you just you need to get yourself. You gotta do some soul searching on yourself because you just fucking you, you you're missing out on a lot. I'm calling but, it like um, I see it. You're a fucking homophobe. And yeah, it's it's, it's weird. You know it's what I'm weird. saying? It's super fucking weird. Um, I kind of want. I kind of wish I would have made a woman's list now. But to be honest with you, the women <laughs> that you named, the woman that you named would have ended up being the same. We would have had the same list because it's just that they're those are you can't beat those. Pure greatness. Um, so, with that being said, um, my top five, and again, these are personal favorites for me. Um, my top five was, this was difficult to do. I had a list here of people who I wanted to actually threw the original list away, but that's fine. Um, but at my number five, I have uh, the fucking gold standard, Shelton Benjamin. Nice. Shelton Benjamin. Two-time ROH World Champion, WWE US Champion, three-time Intercontinental Champion, WWE three-time Tag Team Champion. Shelton Benjamin is one of those cases that, like, I get mad when I think about Shelton Benjamin because Shelton should have, Shelton should have had a World Championship. He should have gotten a Dolph Ziggler run. He should have gotten, he should have won Money in the Bank. He should have beat somebody for a World Title. They they sorely needed somebody like him to be the face of the company for a while. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, 
but it's like every time Shelton Benjamin got to the point where you saw that he was getting like heat, not bad heat, like wrestling heat, but I mean like when he was heating up and getting popular, all of a sudden he was gone. Like he would just disappear. Like he was taken off TV. He was released. He was dumped down. They gave him a fucking mama gimmick, whatever. Whatever it is that you want to say. Every time that he was getting to a point where you think he was going to cross over and grab that brass ring, something would happen where he would be taken down. Um, Shelton, there was a match that he had on the pay-per-view Taboo Tuesday where he wrestled Chris Jericho and he won the Intercontinental title. That match was fucking great. That was a great fucking match. Um, And it was actually... um, it was actually a really cool idea that WWE had. At the time, it seemed kind of corny. But when I looked back, because I went back and I watched it, and it was kind of cool. They did like a fan vote. They had Jericho in the ring. And they were like, you're going to wrestle one of these guys, and we're going to let the fans vote. And then they put up a graphic, and they showed the bouncing balls or whatever. And then they put up who wins. And Shelton Benjamin won the fan vote. And he went out there, and he beat Chris Jericho in a fucking like, it was like a good 10-minute match. Um, definitely recommend you seeing. I think my favorite part of that match is when he wins the lottery because they're all standing back there. All the wrestlers are standing in the backstage area next to each other waiting to see who's going to win. When he wins, uh, he gets all hyped up and he fucking starts walking out there and they're playing his music. And you see Rhino because Rhino was one of the guys who was in the lottery. You see Rhino so hyped up and happy for like Shelton. And Tajiri also was there. And you see Tajiri also like, yeah, like, go fucking, yeah, let's go, Shelton. Like, he's getting his shot. Like, that for me was, uh, I really uh, fucking, I really enjoyed that angle. Um, now, before you move off move off of him, um, quick question. Which was the better tag team of him? Him and Brock as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew or oh, him, no, and Tra- uh, him and Charlie Haas? Charlie okay. Haas. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Haas. Charlie Haas is the fucking man, bro. Him, yeah. those two is the world's greatest tag team. Fucking that hilarious. Was some of the, that was some of the best stuff. Yeah, that was some of the best stuff that they that that I'd seen him do. It was just they were just fucking great, man. It's a lot of things about WWE that pissed me off, and that's one of them. The fact that he's <laughs> and he's still there. That's the problem. Yeah. He's there right now, hey, and he's, he's not even on the TV. Get I don't get number. it. Get a check. I mean, yeah, get that money, but god damn it, man. <laughs> I don't understand, bro. Um, so how you want to do this? You want me to keep, keep going, going down? Keep going, keep you want going. Me to keep going. All right, so now, like I said, this is my personal list. Now, that doesn't mean that I am a fan of these people's opinions. All right, before I reveal my number four here, I, I know but, where you're going. And I would have put this person higher, but I think my top three, I could have probably swapped three and and this one, but I I wanted to put my number three there for a purpose. So for me, number four, Booker T. Booker T, TNA Legends Champion, Tag Team Champion, WCW Heavyweight Champion four times, TV Champion, World, cha- I mean, I-, I could sit here and read off all his accolades. Ten-time tag team champion, uh, ten-time ten tag team champion with Harlem Heat. He won uh, the WCW. I call it the WWECW championship. 
because he was four, he won the WCW championship four times in WCW. Then he won the belt again in WWE. So that's why he says he's the five time because, you know, whatever. Um, he won the heavyweight championship once. He had the WWE tag team championship four times. Intercontinental, U.S., hardcore, king of the ring, triple crown winner, grand slam winner. Bro, it, say say what you want about Booker T now with the shucky ducky quack quack and the stupid fucking opinions that he feels the need to put out for his podcast. Look, he needs to say those things because he needs to get clicks for his show because that's how he makes money. Yep. Okay. Now, whether he believes these opinions or not, I don't know. I believe he does because I feel like he's a genuine dude and he's going to say what he feels like he wants to say. Whether I agree with them or not doesn't matter. But you're not going to tell me that, like I said, I'm a WCW guy. You're not going to tell me that fucking Booker T and Stevie Ray were not the greatest shit in WCW. To me, the Harlem Hangover, that finisher, is like one of the greatest fucking finishers ever. I've never seen a, a dude, much less a big black dude, get on the top rope and flipping the ball and and hit a leg drop like that. I've never seen that shit. I wished when he came to WWE that he used that more, but from what I understand, that move after a while fucks up your... Um, you fuck up your lower back. Yeah, your, your fucks up your... I forget what it's called. Tailbone. Um, your tailbone. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that really fucks you up, so he stopped doing it. He started doing the scissor kick and the bookend and all these other things, but bro, Booker T, whether it... <laughs> Even GI Bro, I even like GI Bro. I was a kid, so don't you know? Don't judge me out there. <laughs> I, I enjoyed GI Bro. I actually popped when GI Bro made an appearance on uh, with Bad Bunny when he did Bad Bunny on WrestleMania. Did his little yeah, performance. That was that was fire. There. That shit was kind of hot. But man, Booker T. Um, one of my favorite Booker T. Uh, matches is with uh, Chris Benoit. Him and Chris Benoit had a best of seven series of matches that whoever won that was going to go against Fit Finley for the TV title. And, bro, those seven matches, every single one of those matches is a fucking classic. Like, Absolutely. I remember. Every single one of those matches were fantastic. Um, and then Booker T ended up winning match seven, and then he went on and he bit Finn Finley for the um, – that was his first singles title, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, the Harlem Hangover. <laughs> That finisher is probably like one of my favorite finishers fucking ever all time. I, I just yeah. love him. He's gonna be on my list too. Obviously, I can I'll just, just declare it because I wrote my list out of order, but he is definitely number two always to me because of everything you said, plus some, you know, again, great representation for us as a people and, and as a wrestler, the dude was phenomenal. He, yep. There was there, there was no you couldn't say nothing bad about Booker T to me, with the exception of like you mentioned nowadays the man shits on a company that he has talent he trained that is killing it over there. That's the doesn't only shit that I don't like. It pisses me off every single time he speaks. Yep. Almost it doesn't make sense to me. It really Almost. doesn't make sense to me. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so. Like I said, number three, I almost flip-flopped, but I didn't just because of, uh, again, it was a personal thing for me. Because as I grew older and I started branching out of like WCW and WWE and started finding different 
you know, wrestling platforms. I discovered this man, Jay Lethal. And Jay Lethal Ooh, is... I totally forgot to add that motherfucker to my shit. So listen, I wrote for the first two, I wrote their championship stuff. And even for Booker T, I had to leave some off because there was a lot. Um, and I'm not even counting like all I wrote was for Booker T was like TNA and WWE, WCW. I left off a whole, almost a whole page of championships that he won in different territories. Yeah. Oh, I remember what I remember what I was thinking real quick and mentioning Booker T. You know what? I'll save it for when I talk Booker T. Jay Lethal, I, I didn't even bother writing down the championships. So he's won 38 championships in 19 different companies. That's I just figured, let me just write that. 38 championships. <laughs> Damn okay. <it. laughs> That's a lot of fucking championships, bro. Yeah. Jay Lethal, for me, I know Lex Luger is considered the total package, but for me, Jay Lethal's a total package, bro. Jay yeah. Lethal can wrestle pure, he can wrestle technical, he can wrestle lucha style, he can brawl, he can do hardcore, he's an excellent heel, he's an excellent face, he can do comedy. All you had to say was black machismo. He does, <laughs> he does it all, bro. He does it all. That 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 Ric Flair battle that he had with Ric Flair and TNA when he was doing black machismo, his Ring of Honor run as the Ring of Honor champion. Bro, I'm so, like, on one hand, I'm a little upset that he never got his shot in WWE, but at the same time, I'm happy that they never got their hands on him. Because to be honest with you, he would probably still be in that company, and he would be like our truths brother or some goofy shit, and he would have just he would have wasted away. All his talent would have never been shown throughout all these years and all these different companies, and he would have just been. Hey, Jay Lethal from WWE. Yeah, I know that guy. He probably would have had a goofy-ass name, too, like Jason Lethality or some goofy-ass shit. But um, he's had, listen, matches. Jay Lethal had a, he had a match with Bobby Fish in 2017. Uh, He had a match with Adam Cole in 2016. That was phenomenal. He had a match with AJ Styles in 2015 and Super Battle Card of Honor. Um. I really feel like he's the most underappreciated wrestler like on earth. Like I remember when I went to the I went to the pay-per-view, uh I think it was like two or three pay-per-views ago where he debuted on AEW when they uh Tony Schiavone was like Jay Lethal and brought him out. Um I I had a big ass popcorn on my lap. I was sitting so I was sitting in the in these chairs that they're like reclining chairs at the theater. And I had my chair reclined. I had this big-ass tub of popcorn and shit. I was eating and watching this shit. And then Tony Schiavone is like, Jay Lethal. I got up from that fucking chair so fast. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? And everybody in that theater was like, oh, yeah, Jay Lethal. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Like, are you out of your mind? That's Jay Lethal, bro. Like, and people were just like, it, it made me mad. I was like, man, fuck all y'all people, man. Y'all don't understand what's going on right now. Jay Lethal's at AW. Um, unfortunately, you know, he hasn't had exactly the greatest run right now, but, you know. I'm happy to see him here. I'm hoping that this new Ring of Honor thing kind of picks up and they, you know, well, you they can do tell, something a little more with him. 
you could tell with the run that he's in right now, he's playing more of the educator. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's playing more of the role of it's his time to get more people over type of situation. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I feel what you're saying because you, you look at a person like him that he deserves more screen time. He deserves more. Yeah. But also a person of his stature is he, he needs to, it's just a, he's got to now give back to the business. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine to me. That's perfectly fine. Best thing about him. Jay Lethal is 35 years old. Crazy. So Feels like he's, he's been wrestling for 30 years. All that time. 38 championships. And my man is 35 years old. So he's still got a lot left in the tank, bro. 30, 30, um, 35. We well, said 38 championships. That means every 30, single promotion he was in trusted that man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a end of you definitely are a you definitely deserve to be in the GOAT conversation because that's trust. That Yeah, at least. I've never heard a bad thing about Jay Lethal. So, I mean, never. I think he might have froze for a second. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And that was, yeah, you broke up while saying you never heard a bad thing about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, that's likewise. Yeah, likewise. But who is your number two? So for number two, I have someone you brought up earlier, and that would be the lovely Mercedes Bernardo, a.k.a. Sasha Banks. Um, I have her at my number two. Seven times woman, seven time woman champion. And that's in NXT and the main roster put together. Three time tag team champion, triple crown winner, Grand Slam. Look, Sasha Banks. So. Whatever's going on with her in WWE, if the rumors are true that they've released her, which we don't know for sure, but it seems like that's... I saw something today that said they released her weeks ago. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. But if that shit is true, that is going to go down as one of the biggest bag fumbles that WWE has ever done all time in with any athlete that they've ever had. Sasha Banks literally has it all. She has star power. She has charisma. She has ability. She has the moveset. She's got the look. She's got the, the, the promo. She's a, in, she's a ring technician. This girl has worked incredibly hard to get to that point. So a lot of people don't know this and they're not aware the weekend of WrestleMania 31, there was a house show for NXT because this is at the point where NXT was not like black and gold NXT yet. It was it was like transitioning from that weird teacher-student NXT thing that they had going on. It was like transitioning away from that, but it still wasn't at the level of like the takeovers. So they had a house show, and the headlining match of that house show was Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks. That match is considered to be one of the best matches ever in WWE. And it was at a house show. It wasn't televised. That match was so good that Vince McMahon himself was like, we need to start taking NXT on the road. Like that match fueled his decision to put more into NXT. 
just watching the two of them have that match. That match also convinced Vic, Vince McMahon to start bolstering his women's division with actual women who can wrestle. Like that match changed everything for women's wrestling. I don't care what you yeah. say about yeah. the the yeah. revolution, the who started the women's revolution, whoever started it, you know, Trish Stratus and 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 Lita, they they kind of led towards more women wrestling and they got away from the, you know, mud wrestling matches and brawn panties matches yeah. and all that shit. But that match was very important for the history of WWE and the women's division. That match really changed a lot of shit. Um yeah well the horse women in general I mean to yeah not to not to take the shine from her but the horse women in general yeah. and throw in her throw in her long standing series of matches with her and and uh uh what's the name Bailey Bailey like, fucking insane yep. I have here um there's two matches there's actually three matches that are you can also if you want to jump on the cock pause uh, you can watch these matches in their entirety on the, on the app. Uh, there is, I have it written here in my horrible handwriting, Sasha Banks. Hold on. There we go. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch at NXT TakeOver Unstoppable had a fucking phenomenal match. Um, a lot of people point to Sasha and Bayley's uh, Brooklyn TakeOver match because that's like the, the big match that everybody usually talks about. But before they had that match, they had an Iron Woman's match at NXT TakeOver. I have it here. Unstoppable. They had an Iron Woman match. That is like, in my opinion, I think it's better than the NXT Brooklyn match. But that's a matter of opinion. But either way, you, you can't go wrong watching any of those matches, dude. I like, I like course, their Hell in a Cell match, to be honest with you. The first woman to have a Hell in a Cell match, actually. She's done a lot of firsts, man. It's, Sasha Banks is just the the absolute. She is the fucking greatest, and I don't I don't get. I mean, again, we don't know what happened. Yes, a lot of people are upset that she walked away from her job. She's under contract, and she walked away. I don't know how I feel about that. Because on one hand, I understand she's on, under a contract. And then on the other hand, I can understand you being miserable and your job and you're not being, yes, you signed a contract, but they're not fulfilling what you felt like you signed on for. So there's a lot of little fucking legality and shit in there. But bro, if they let her go, I just, I don't know, man. Um, if, she, if she continues to wrestle, that's somebody else's gold mine right there. Oh my god! I don't even want to think about like Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Bernardo, bro. For the oh she would, god. she. You know Stop. what? Well, first off, you know we love them both, but she would take Thunder Rosa to that next level that everybody yeah. knows she can get to. Listen, say what you want. I I I love AEW, and I, I, I'm very happy to watch the women's division, but. It seems to me like that women's division in AEW does not have proper direction. Like they don't have somebody who's kind of, at least this is how I feel. They don't really have someone who is kind of directing traffic. You know what I, I mean? Like I get I, it. I, think, I get it. I think Tony's booking, but you have to. There's a fine line in between letting the wrestlers do what they want to do out there and kind of 
See, this is why I can understand why Vince limits the moveset for the most part in his company, because it, it, it lessens the chances of your people getting hurt and it lessens the chances of people not knowing how to um, like perform a maneuver. So yeah. like if you have yeah. if you have somebody who's like going crazy all over the place doing all this crazy shit and the other person is not really in tune with that and doesn't know how to take that move, you're gonna have a lot of these little mini botches and mistakes that you see on AEW a lot. Well, because what you want to say, but AEW is AEW is people would say is very indie rific. They yeah. bring it, they're bringing what the independents do and have done for decades to the main stage, which is cool because that that they have given the spotlight to the GCWs, the the yep. all the other all the other minor quote unquote minor league promotions out there. Like people are now starting to branch out and look at all these towns, also because they allow those towns to go work in these other areas, which again helps the whole community make money. Yeah, but like you mentioned, the move set thing. Yeah, I totally get it because it it. It gives longevity to to one's career. It's why an Undertaker could go thirty years. Yeah. Or it's why it's why John Cena had the five moves of doom, and you rarely ever seen him get injured. Yeah, and and you of know? course that that also goes hand in hand with like marketing and all these other things. Or when Sasha jumps off the top rope and Michael Cole is like Meteora, like you know, yeah, those yeah. are kind of things that that the audience, you know, it's all about, you yeah. know, whatever. Well, we're, again, clearly, we're clearly kind of saying if Miss Mercedes, which I love you, Miss Mercedes, yeah. but if you uh, are stepping away from them and or have been released, of course, we want to see you in AEW because that yeah. just adds oh, yeah. more credibility as long as they can utilize her the right way as the number one talent that she is. And oh, yeah. off to your number one. So, of course, my number one. I don't really think it's going to be a surprise to anyone. I really don't think there's any debate about this. You could plug in whoever you want here, but my number one is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, I don't have him at all. You don't have him on your Go list? Ahead. He's got to be my number one. A lot of people are like, oh, he's Samoan. <laughs> I, I thought we was no, about bro. to co-sign each other yeah. on who's, but you'll know who my number one is. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have issue with that because they say that he's Samoan and he's not really black. Listen, he's black, bro. That dude's a black, he's a black guy, bro. And if you're going to sit here and talk about the greatest, the best of my top five, I was fortunate enough to grow up at the perfect era where like I was old enough to see him become the rock and watch that entire shit like i watched everything from the blue and chip, i was from old. the blue chip rocky my yeah. on i wasn't i wasn't a little kid going yay rocky i was like a old you know i was in my late teens 20s and laughing at poontang pie and all that shit and enjoying wrestling so <laughs> it was like I, I was right there for that shit but bro 10-time wwe champion two-time intercontinental five-time tag team grand slam triple crown all that shit He's he's literally the greatest sports entertainer of all time. Number one for me. He's number one. Sports entertainer. The greatest. Promo, wrestling matches, ring technician. And when I say ring technician, I don't mean he's like, you know, 
performing crucifixes and all that shit. I mean, the way when these guys are in the ring and they're able to change on the fly and understand what's happening with the crowd and being able to point a match in a certain direction, he was excellent at that shit. And if you don't believe it, you can go ahead and watch that Hogan match that they had at WrestleMania where they're just standing in the ring and the rock is like telepathically talking to Hogan. And he's like, nah, let's, let's just sit here for a minute and kind of look, look around. Yeah, just let's take let it the in. crowd like let's let this happen. You know what I'm saying? When Hogan starts hulking up, you can see the rock like <laughs> Hogan starts hulking up and shit, and you can see the rock kind of like whoa, like what's like it just that kind of storytelling and plotting and wrestling is, is very uh, I'm very appreciative of things like that. So um of course you could sit there and go back and there's countless matches that he's had and there's countless things that he's done. But for me, that Hogan rock match was like the pinnacle of, of thing. And again, you know, Hogan <laughs> kind of hard to bring his name up here when we're trying to talk about, you know, these black athletes on Juneteenth, but that match was uh, definitely something else for me. So I got rock at number one. I got yeah, rock see, I could, I, I, I could, if we were making a established, like, unified like let's really put it brainstorm together i have no problems with him being up there because we did our favorites and mine is a mixture of different types of styles and talents and stuff like that but my number one and two have kind of been consistent in one and two for a very long time but real quick well no i'll save my honorable mentions because the rock has to now go in my honorable mentions for obvious reasons like i mentioned i forgot to put them in I didn't not and not because of the Samoan. He's black. Samoan, your daddy black. You black. <laughs> that's that's no yeah. stop the debate right here. <clears throat> his father's next. His father was called Soul Man. And, enough said. Fuck. But one of them I already mentioned as cruiserweights. As far as black wrestlers, that were one of my <clears throat> favorites that belong in my top five. Tuco Scorpio mentioned him already. Um, Booker T. We said everything about him already. My number two of all time. Mm. We get into favorites now. New Jack makes my personal top oh, five. Oh man, favorites. yo, I don't even. I don't even <laughs> oh, God, I'm so, I'm so just like how you, just like how I forgot the Rock. That's your expression right there. I'm so embarrassed. I don't even have him in my honorable mentions. Oh my God. Rest in peace to the man, Jerome Young. But damn, when you set your career off with. I like to give a big shout out to my homeboy OJ Simpson. <laughs> Keep up the good Keep work. The good work. <laughs> Two less we gotta worry about. If that ain't a Juneteenth message for your ass, I don't know what this is. Not the greatest. This. Not the greatest wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. The man could possibly do mm-hmm. a drop toe hold, possibly. But just I think I, I think I saw him once do a, <laughs> I think I saw him once do a Russian leg sweep with a kendo stick. I think that was about his <laughs> as technical as he got. I think yeah, throw all the tech. And I, if y'all don't know me enough to know that I love the technical aspect of wrestling, but with New Jack, it's just sit back, watch, and have fun, enjoy what he's doing, and promo wise. You could put him in another top five of promo. It, it's a it, that's a separate fight in its own. A promo ability, 
But oh, yeah. put put New Jack on a mic, <clears throat> and like he was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which you can also go see on the top pause. You can see that first promo when the gang the gangsters made their debut with which was the promo that I quoted a little while ago. You knew you you give New Jack the microphone, you in for some shit. But all in all, just in ring stuff, it was to me, it was just the fun. I love the violence. I love the shit. Personal history, when I seen them when they were at Sports Fest, when Sports Fest was a thing out here on Staten Island, I had a piece of table that he went through Sangai Dudley on. I had that shit forever, I think, until I moved out of my parents' house. Watching that man, knowing his story, go watch his. If you if you don't know all the shoot interviews, which you can find hundreds of them online on YouTube, yeah, thousands. Watch the dark side of the ring if you need a condensed version of him. Yep, this man's life is crazy. But to know what this dude, I mean, he legitimately stabbed somebody in a ring. He legitimately tried to kill Vic Grimes, who fortunately only <laughs> suffered a broken ankle. Only suffered a broken ankle, falling forty plus feet off a fucking scaffold after hitting him with the fucking cow taser. Mm-hmm. Talking about I can't feel my legs. Well, you ain't gonna need them. Yeah. <laughs> All of that shit aside, though, just ultimately entertaining in my book. When you knew you, they say when you was able, when you go to a ECW show back in the day, you was able to bring shit to add to his garbage can. Or shopper cart that he would use in the ring, Nintendos, ironing boards, and one of the funniest ones was he had he did a Nintendo, and the shit still had a cartridge in it. I don't remember who he busted in the head with the Nintendo, but the cartridge popped out and went flying. Fucking hilarious! I still remember that. I just don't remember to who it was on, but he makes my because on the I, the lane of hardcore wrestling. He's he, he, oh, would he, would he make my top five? Would he make my top five? No, because I go deeper with the hardcore with the Anitas, yeah. you know, Mr. Mr. Pogos, Matsunagas, all of that shit. Like, I go, I got, I a, go I got a, I got a hardcore legend in my mentions, my honorable mentions, actually. Ooh, but yeah, I one, think, my I, favorite, I, I think one of my I think I know things, who it is, but yeah, I'm sure you do. I think Mr. one of my favorite Mr. things about New Jack is the fact that when he did a promo. Much like Eddie Kingston, he's not being a character. It's real. He's, he's <laughs> talking. He's talking to motherfuckers. Like, he's not. He's not acting. He's not playing. Well, let me. All right, let me get hyped up for like. No, he's just like, give me the mic, and I'm gonna say shit, and this is me. And I think that was probably like my favorite thing about New Jack. Mm. And I realized. R.I.P. I, I realized just as as I go to my next name, I realized I had somebody else to put in honorable mentions because y'all see me play that person before. But JYD, oh, yeah. thinking about the era, whether it's junk, whether it's junkyard dog, whether it's uh whether he went by his real last name of Ritter, Sylvester Ritter, or Stagger Lee. When he had to quote unquote hide himself because he was uh he was a uh, banned from the company back in mm-hmm. the mid south days, but JYD was once he got to the WWF at the time, it was like okay you could tell career is done, but you entertaining again, entertaining, easy to love as a child, 
because you know, not the fact that you're making a black man play like a dog, whatever, but the dude was entertaining. You wanted to get up and do the fucking the, the thing, the leg shit that he used to yeah. do off the ropes, the the dog collar, the look, big proud black man, like JYD belongs in if you're of a certain age, he belongs in the top five. Yeah. Res- wrestling wise, he was better in the mid-south days and before WWF, but he 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 he's a guy that when you talk black wrestlers, even if it's top ten, you must mention his name, and that's kind of part why he had to go down. But my number one, my number one, the person who is credited as the first black world champion. Damn, mm. that's where yeah. I thought you were going. Yeah. But I had I had to go with Ron Simmons first. I mean, first for first and foremost. All American football standout, despite the fact it was for Florida State. I hate the Florida State Seminoles. Just hmm. the U. Shout outs to the U. But uh, <laughs> in the ring, like I got, I seen videos of him in his early training days and stuff like that. That man went through hell as a trainer, but he was jacked. Dude was able to bench 600 plus pounds with ease um, to win that. The, the, you want to talk about joy and jubilation in the fans' faces? Watching him pull off the power slam and then pin Invader for the first world title, and then seeing a young Dustin Rhodes, a young this mm-hmm. person, that person, yeah. everybody coming down in the ring to celebrate this man, pick him up, carry him out of the ring over the top. You see all the young black kids in the crowd, fucking. You see this one run up to the to fucking to the barricade and was jumping like full splits, like. Yeah, like we did it. Like he gave that we did it thing. Yeah. And then goes into the WWF, one of the acolytes, then just wreck shop, turns it into the APA to become one of the funniest and greatest creations that the WWE ever had. As far I mean, as the nation, the nation, the nation of domination, putting black people in power. The one thing I wanted to mention about The Rock, given The Rock that jumpstart mm-hmm. because without the nation who knows if mr blue chip or rocky yeah. maivia would have ever got off you're still out there smiling and slapping hands with them tassels and all that shit that yeah yeah but he he to me just for everything as far as like and stand-up individual you couldn't fuck with him like he was known as he makes a lot of lists as like like haku makes the list of most badass outside of the ring like you couldn't fuck with that dude. And but just in ring too, like he was clean, he worked great, worked strong. All his power moves were just, you know, rest in peace to the public enemy. But ask public enemy about what how that man got down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, like they got their ass beat by them. Legitimately like got their ass beat. They beat the shit out of those dudes. But yeah, it, Anybody had to be my number one, it was him. And what I was the thing that I wanted to mention, which I, I breezed over Booker T because you covered him well. Let's also remember with Booker T, a black man was the last WWE champ, WCW champion. Yeah, so dope. And to think about That's the so history dope. of how WCW came up from NWA, and you got to dig deeper with NWA stuff, which again, we're talking about next week racist and racism in wrestling. And like I mentioned, all the Confederate flag wavings and all the history of for WCW be closed out by a black man. 
You know what I'm saying? But so, yeah, Ron Simmons had to go as my number one. Rock has to make honorable mentions because my dumbass forgot him. The other name that I didn't type down, Mr. James Harris, Kamala, the Ugandan giant. I get sad when I think about him, man. He had to fucking yeah. both his legs amputated and shit. Man, that's fucking Yo, Dropped out of school, I think in like the ninth grade, didn't know how to read. You know, and the, the the amount of money that he lost out on part because of he was being black. He was black in the South as a wrestler, didn't get paid, but also because of not being able to read properly, didn't go through contracts and stuff right, got paid less money here and there in the third. But in the ring, body slammed Andre the Giant before Hulk Hogan ever did, before the WWF tried to claim yeah. that Hulk Hogan was the first. No, no, no. He was he might have been the third person to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He might second or third person to do it. But yeah. power big, powerful, strong dude. And you know, like he also too was a take no shit person behind the scenes, too. If you hear stories about him, like you couldn't fuck with that man. But again, man, money, hear, money wise, he got stiffed too much. You hear, you hear about all this fucking WWE made a billion dollars this year and record profits, and they yeah. made a billion dollars in profits. Mm-hmm. Like that means that they paid all their bills, and then mm-hmm. after all their bills were paid, they made a billion fucking dollars. <laughs> Like, that don't make no sense. With that type of money, you would think, like, I mean, I know this is coming from, uh, it's, it's, it's much easier to say things like this from the outside looking in, but some of these fucking old-timers, man, who have, like, they can't barely walk, they can't move, they're fucking, like, some of them are homeless. Like, what's, like, $100,000 a year to, yeah. for, to this company to, like, give them so that they can, like, live and be like, as a thank you for making my fucking company? It, like, I don't... Yeah. It makes you want it makes one want a wrestler's union. And me being a union guy, like I get it. I get it. Like, and and to see a a story like his go downward, you know, it sucks. But that's why a lot of them come back to the WWF and with WWE and do those legends deals. Yeah. They're on their payroll. They're on their payroll and they can do a little bit. And that's If there's a little solace in some of that, it's that yeah, at least WWFE gives yeah, at least they do that. So select few, select few, that's, but you we wish there was more. That's we why I hope this. People. I really hope this Freddie Prince Jr. thing gets off the ground because it's like it's very clever. What he's thinking about doing is, um, he's gonna make his own wrestling company. He's gonna add them right. to the Screen Actors Guild so that they'll be yeah. fucking in the, in the SAG. I, they'll be considered they, in a union. That's dope as fuck. They are actors. Yeah, that'll be dope as fuck, bro. But to round off my uh, my my um my honorable mentions very quickly, um, Bobby Lashley, obvious reasons, of course, of course. And and I learned he's Panamanian, I believe. He's He's Panamanian. But um, Shelton Benjamin, obvious reasons. Elix Skipper, once again, an honorable mention. And for fun purposes. Besides D'Lo Brown, I Ernest the Cat Miller. Mm. That man wasn't the greatest in the ring. But please, somebody call my mom. No, was it somebody call my mama? Yeah, he came out to that shit. He he was just fun. 
He was just fun. Like he, you know, he 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 wouldn't make a top ten to be honest with you, top twenty, let alone. But the dude was fun. He was fun. He was a good act to watch. And yeah, that's my honorable mentions. Everybody, you know, D-Lo and all of them, man. You know, big ups to all of y'all, man. So I'm actually a little. I'm actually a little surprised. I have a couple honorable mention here that I thought you were gonna name, but you ended up you didn't actually name them. So. The first name that I have on my honorable mention is Bad News Brown. <laughs> You's a motherfucker. I'm so mad at myself. Holy Bad shit. Bad News Brown, I, bro. I mentioned his name before when we talked we've, about we've, we've talked about him before mm, on this I, show. We've made it a point to talk about ooh, him because he's I the mentioned, shit. I mentioned his name two hours ago when we mentioned Piper. And I forgot oh, to yeah. put him on the fucking list. He's on that honorable mention list. Thank you. Keep adding yeah. on to my list, please. Yeah, we're gonna have to, have to extend it. We're gonna have to extend it. Bad News Brown. My favorite memory of Bad News Brown is um. See, this is what's funny to me about my um, except for one person that I just added, um. But my honorable mentions list, like I have these people here, and honestly, my memories of them are me being like afraid of them. Like when I was younger, like I was scared of Bad News Brown. I never seen fucking, I never seen a dude because you know back in that day everybody there was Coco Bewares and Brutus Beefcakes and and the you know the model and then you had this Bad News Brown who was a like simple name like yeah. Bad News in the eighties yeah. was just Bad News like yeah he was just an ass kicker and then his finisher was called the Ghetto Blaster which I thought was fucking dope. Like, what kind of fucking name is that for a finisher, the Ghetto Blaster? Well, go look up his shoot interviews, too. He was a legit ass kicker, like world oh, yeah. champion in the martial arts. Oh, kicker. yeah. Um, My other one, another one I have here, literally terrified of this person when I was a kid, Abdullah the Butcher. I didn't mention Mr. Hepatitis C. I, yeah. I wanted to, but because I remember the Hepatitis C shit, Absolutely, the man that is a that's a scary fucking individual. That is a scary ass man. And the forehead. That's the one thing. The only other person who has a forehead like that is New Jack, or or maybe uh, what's the name? Uh, Devon with that fucked up forehead. Devon, um, the original Sheik also had the fucked up head like that. Dusty Rhodes had the fucked up forehead like that. This my problem with Abdul the Butcher. Was the hepatitis C shit? Once that came out, like that, it I, I, I'm still a I fan. Even, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm still a fan. I respect his legend, but I forgot the wrestler's name. There's many a shoot interviews. There's actually a guy who did the the guy who got that hepatitis C from him, um, uh, did a documentary about it. What it was was because Abdullah always had his fingers taped. Let's remember that. He did the gimmick with the fork, which he would tell yeah. you he doesn't even hit people with the fork. Like, you know, them work type punches. You yeah. don't really hit him with the fork, but he yeah. would gig. He would gig people with the little blade in the thing. And you would see him with his thumb and go like this, like that to the head real quick to get you. Yeah, he did it. But the problem was, was he never reported to anybody that he had hepatitis C. Oh shit! Gig them, gig themselves first. Use the same blade on his opponent. God damn! And they were able to prove that that's where it was transmitted because that's one of them blood trans blood diseases that it can only be transmitted blood to blood like that. 
So yeah, go look it up. All this information is oh, out wow. there. I'm not lying to the people. Damn. It's just yeah, I couldn't put Mr. Hepatitis C on my list, but nonetheless, legendary black wrestler. Yeah, no man. I'm terrified of that man when I was younger. Um, someone we already talked about, Awesome Kong. I have her on my list. Um, I don't want to say it's a shame that she didn't get a proper push in WWE, but she got pregnant. If, for people who are wondering why we're talking about right. this lady, Karma, who was in WWE yeah. for like a month. Yeah. Well, she's done things outside of this company. <laughs> But she was here, then she got pregnant, then she left, and then I guess she decided to part ways with them. So that's why. But Awesome Kong is tremendous. Um, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. It's another person that belongs. Is in my honorable mentions because yeah. he went through a whole transition of like he came out and he was world's strongest man, smiling at everybody. Then he became sexual chocolate. And then from sexual chocolate, he decided to grow those braids and jump and fucking create the Hall of Pain. That whole run that he had with the the WCW belt, I loved it. I love seeing him as just a big fucking scary looking brooding motherfucker from the South terrorizing the roster. That shit was I one of my favorite runs in WWE. And pulled off one of the top five maybe top two or three swerves of all time oh man yeah with the retirement, that retirement thing and then yeah. beat the shit out of john cena he had me had Legendary. me had and everything i was like damn this is it he's retiring holy shit and i just i just couldn't believe the fucking swear that was fucking great um my last one is kind of like uh, i guess you threw a you threw a just for the lols character in there i'm gonna do one also and i'm gonna throw in norman smiley <laughs> norman smiley the fucking or, big wiggle yo norman smiley i'll never in my life forget there was an episode of of nitro and there was like a brawl happening backstage i think i don't know if i don't remember they had them having like a hardcore title and WCW, they, but there they, was they there did, was and he competed for it often. Which I'm gonna let you say what you say, but I'm gonna throw in the hardcore shit in a second. So that's the thing. So I did remember it properly because I so there was an episode where there was a brawl happening, and Norman Smiley was actually the champion, and I think that's what it was that everybody was chasing after his ass because they knew they could beat his ass, but he kept hiding from people. So they were looking for him and there was a brawl happening somewhere and they went into the bathroom and they kicked the stall open and he was hiding in the stall, like sitting on the toilet with his legs in the air, like trying to hide. And he would do this high pitched scream. Yo, that shit, that was the funniest fucking shit ever. He would do that shit in matches. He would do that shit in backstage segments, that high pitched scream. Oh my Bro, that shit was the funniest thing in the world to me. Like, I, yeah. I used to love fucking seeing Norman Smiley on TV. And I, again, because anytime I'm trying to create lists, brain farts happen. Norman Smiley is another one of those guys that I should have mentioned over Ernest Miller because fucking hilarious, but could really go in the ring, is still a trainer to this day. Also, they said was a, a legit badass, like you don't fuck with him type of person, like he could fuck you up type of guy. But 
his most memorable and funniest shit was when he was running around. I I, I want to say the guy's name was Festus. It wasn't Festus. It was something else. When he was um he was running around with the ball head white dude who was the truck. He was a truck driver for WCW, but they added him in as a part of that gimmick. And when 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 Norman Smiley did his oh, was that Horace magic, Horace Hogan. Wasn't no, 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 no. Horace, it, was right? short, it was a short, fat dude, short, fat white dude with like a white, you know, gray mustache and all that. But, um, uh, but Norman Smiley, anytime he had the, um, anytime he had a hardcore match, he was always in hockey gear. He always had on shoulder pads. One time he had on, one time he had on football shoulder pads and uh and and a helmet and he was <laughs> he was just he was just fucking hilarious it was it was just everything about him was hilarious and i'm looking him up i'm looking it up now I'm trying to find the guy's name cuz it's really bothering me that I, um uh, it's really bothering me that i forgot the guy's name the first thing i see when i type in norman smiley screaming on youtube is him standing there in a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey jersey with hockey pads on, and Brian Knobs is beating his ass with a yeah. candlestick. And when I when I pulled him up now, like he one image he came up as the Kiss Demon. He's in a Detroit Lions jersey with a, with shoulder pads on, but the dude's name was Ralphus. That was oh, his okay. name. That was Jericho's Roadie. Yeah, yeah. That he was, was Jericho's Roadie at one time. But I believe they say he was like uh he legitimately was like a truck driver for WCW back in the day. Like yeah, Jericho brought him out like as his as his roadie. That was his character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's him, Ralphus. Ralphus. Jericho's personal security. But yeah, man, I mean, just so many names to mention, so much shit. And Lou, this was two hours of fun. Like I, I, I didn't. I, it felt like we was going for a while, but this was fucking two hours of just pure dopeness, man. Just you know, recall, recalling great history. Um, obviously seeing you know from two WCW fans because yeah, I was a I Monday Night Wars. My TV was locked in on this because WWE was it was what it was, but it felt still more cartoonish. Even though you still bounce between both channels, but you know. A lot of WCW names mentioned tonight. A lot of great history tonight. A lot of, you know, good tribute paid to those who deserve it. Once again, next week, racist moments in wrestling history. Fucking ironic that we bring it up after Juneteenth, the week after Juneteenth, but yep. whatever. You know, I know our- we uh I know we're we're kind of like over time, but I learned something today, and I just wanted to ask you, as a wrestling historian, if you were familiar with this person, because doing the research for this this topic, I ran into this this person, and I learned something today that actually it was two things that happened to me today. Okay. I learned something new about somebody who I want to find out more about, and I lost respect for a legend at the same time. When I found yeah, out. well, so, the, the Abdul the Butcher one is clear as day. Well, that one, yeah, no, but not even talking about that. I'm talking about this. Per- I learned something about a person today I never heard of before, and when I learned about this person, I kind of lost respect for another person who's revered. Okay. So, are you familiar with Thunderbolt Patterson? Yes, I re- yes. Okay, so I learned about Thunderbolt Patterson today for the first time. Yes. And this person was awesome like he was fucking awesome 
like I'm gonna go. Yeah. I wrote some stuff yeah. down about him. He worked the territories in the seventies. He had a he had uh, this flamboyant style. He created this character of like a preacher. And I started watching his promos. And I was like, well, God damn it, if I close my eyes right now, I would think that I'm watching Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. I would think that I'm listening to a Dusty Rhodes promo. And come to find out that it seems like this Dusty Rhodes basically stole his basically his whole gimmick from Thunderbolt Patterson. He basically well, I, modeled himself. He basically modeled himself after this dude's promo style. I I recall it, but from Dusty, if that's what you're calling the loss of respect from, I I don't see it at that because Dusty actually would Dusty would bring up and things that I've seen and watched and stuff, he would bring up the Thunderbolt Pattersons and people like that. And, okay, now see, yeah. now again, again, yeah. I just learned about this person yeah, today, yeah. so yeah, no, I'm more yeah, than yeah. I'm more than willing to retract that, and I'm gonna do my research. But I was just like, and, I had never heard that name before today. Yeah, and uh, one name, and we're gonna close with this one name that it just hit me now. Sweet Daddy Seeky is his name. Let me just make sure that that was the right name. But you ain't talking about Big Daddy V, are you? No, oh, nah. He does not make the list. Sweet Daddy Seeky, let me show you. And this guy, there's actually a documentary about him. Actually, shout out to the homie Will Strick one. He was actually in this documentary talking about Sweet Daddy Seeky. This man right here, please, hmm. I implore everybody <clears throat> to go do the knowledge on this guy. I'm not even going to go any further because I, I, he, this name hit me now, and I forgot a lot of the, um, a lot, a, a lot of the history behind him. But look at the names on the card down there: the Adam Cohens, aka Edge. Christian is also in this documentary. Brad oh, Hart's shit. in this documentary. Canadian legend. Hmm. Canadian legend. Also one of the first black touring wrestlers in, in the country, in the U.S. Because this is where he had to make his most, most of his money. He was in the original WWF at one time. This man had to be protected because of being a black person in wrestling, especially in the South, and beating some of the Southern legends. We're talking about black wrestlers. Go educate yourselves on Sweet Daddy Seeky. I have to watch that documentary again. And it's this moment in time, because I'm recalling him again, I have to watch it again to burn more of his history in my memory. But that man there also deserves much honors tonight as we were talking about the black wrestlers. That man is one of those who set the table for so many. And you're talking about yeah, a dark-skinned man. You're talking about a dark-skinned man with blonde hair. I think I, I I might be wrong. I might be right. I think even like the gorgeous Georges and stuff like that. Like he was kind of doing that stuff almost before some of them or right around the same time as some of them. That flamboyancy look, that, that flamboyancy. Like yeah, like just yeah, just go wow. go do your homework. Yeah, go do your homework now. on Sweet Daddy Seeky. I see real. a trailer for it, but I gotta find this. I gotta find. I'm probably it's probably on Prime. Prime has a lot of fucking documentaries on there. Man. I I 
I think that's where I saw it. It was on Amazon, I believe. I, believe, I think it was on Amazon. But I'm glad I was able to close out with that part right there. Now finish it off, Lou. You know what to do. Well, we've come to the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Lou from the BX. That is the Mayor Dan Dinkins. You can find him on the Starting Five podcast. Starting5podcastshow.com. You can get all your links and everything you need to get from there, whether it's merch, the that, several podcasts. That, it, that uh, website is actually down right now. So just look okay. up the Starting you could just Google the starting the starting five podcast. We pop up because our SEOs are still strong. You'll be able to find everything the starting five podcast if you just Google us. The starting five podcast as you on TikTok, the starting five underscore podcast on Instagram, and uh, definitely through the TikTok you can hit the link tree that has everything else to the starting five. Absolutely. And you can find me on the everythingpodcastshow.com because they got me for another year unexpectedly. But we're going to roll for another year. They went and they got me. Now I looked at my bank account. And I said, oh, shit. I hate, <laughs> I don't you hate that? Now. Don't you hate but that? But it's all good. It ain't that bad. And it's cool. Still got my site going. So you can check it out, everythingpodcastshow.com. You got everything there. You can sign up for the newsletter so you can get direct access to every show when it pops off. The Everything Podcast Show dot com again uh you can also go to the everything podcast instagram page from there you can hit my link tree pico link and everything will be on there from you all the way down to the twitch links so that is what yeah. it is thank you guys for listening and make sure make sure you're following wrestling is trash on all streaming platforms wrestling be trash on twitter and yeah that's it we'll see y'all niggas next week <laughs> <laughs> Peace. <laughs>